Black Doctors Podcast. Season Hello, six. welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. We are starting something new. We've never done it before. I am excited. I just came off of a 12-hour shift in surgical ICU, but I am stoked to bring you this incredible episode as well as the episodes for the rest of the month. This month, we are partnering with the Tour for Diversity in Medicine. The goal of this incredible organization is to increase the diversity that we see within our healthcare workforce. You're going to hear from some of the founders and some of the participants in this incredible organization. Each week, we're going to have a panel conversation. This week, we're talking about leadership. What does that mean for aspiring medical students, medical students, residents, and even attending physicians? How can you get involved in leadership? How can leadership help you build and grow your career? This week's panel features in the background, Dr. Cameron Matthews. She uh, was very influential and essential in organizing this whole endeavor. Emergency medicine physicians, Drs. Lovanani and Dr. Amira Hamid, and colorectal surgeon, Dr. Aaron King-Mullins. This month, we are going to donate 10% of the proceeds of this show to the work that Tour for Diversity is doing. This episode, this month, this project means so much to me because I built this project with the goal of, of having a platform, being able to share and highlight things that like-minded people and organizations are doing. This is one of the first and, and biggest steps we've taken in that direction. I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. It definitely has something for everybody. We would love your feedback. Check out the show notes to learn more about Tour for Diversity and to find out how you can get involved. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to hear from our sponsors and then jump into today's episode about leadership. This podcast is sponsored by Pickmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Pickmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Pickmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Pickmonic, you can study less, but remember more. Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. We are excited to be partnering with a fantastic organization, the Tour for Diversity in Medicine. I've watched them over the years, seen some of what they do, had several of their members on the show previously, and we are going to hear from them over the next couple of of weeks. We're going to pass them the microphone. They're going to take over um, hostile takeover of the Black Daughters podcast, <laughs> and we're going to hear from them and the incredible things that they are up to. So I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Love Anani. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bradley. And thank you to everyone out there. Um, we're going to do individual introductions, and then we're going to introduce you to our organization. And then, yes, we are going to take over. Uh, but we promise the takeover is going to be well worth it, no matter what your level is. Uh, my name is Love Anani. I'm an emergency medicine physician. I currently practice out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, my hospital is in Springfield, Tennessee. And I joined the Tour for Diversity in 2012 on the first tour. Um, lots of stories, lots of years, um, but very excited to be part of this organization. Uh, I'm going to hand it to Dr. Hamid and then let her introduce herself and then can pass it to Dr. Mullins. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Amira Hamid. I'm an emergency medicine physician here in Chicago out of University of Chicago. I'm an associate EMS medical director for Chicago South EMS, which provides medical direction to multiple EMS agencies here in the Chicago area, including the Chicago Fire Department. Um, in my free time, I create education as it relates to structural racism in medicine and health equity. And I joined Tour for Diversity in 2020. It's great to be here. Yeah. Dr. Mullins. Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Dr. Erin King Mullins. I am a colorectal surgeon in the Atlanta area. I actually just joined Tour for Diversity um, earlier this year, although 
Dr. Matthews and I and Alden Landry, uh, we go way back to SNMA days. We were all on the executive board, and I'm not even going to tell you what year that was, but it's been quite a while. But I've been following Tour for Diversity for quite some time now, and just now really getting to the point where I have the bandwidth to add it onto my plate. So I'm super excited to be involved. Um, like I said, I'm a colorectal surgeon here in the Atlanta area. I've been in practice for about eight years in the middle of a big transition right now. Um, I actually just left my practice of seven and a half years, my group practice uh, with a local hospital in March and took a little bit of time off doing a little bit of locums right now as I'm working on building and starting my own practice. So I'm super excited again to be here and just discuss my journey with you all. I don't know about anybody else. Every time I hear the word locums, that commercial from uh, Docs Outside the Box plays in my head from Dr. Darko every single time. Oh, yeah. So shout out to the Darkos. Hey, they were both on uh, executive uh, board of SNMA with Cam and Alden and I. So that's how far back we all go. And that is the perfect transition. So to everyone listening who are avid fans of the Black Doctor podcast, we understand that you may not be avid fans of Tour for Diversity in Medicine yet. Um, a little bit about the organization. It was started and conceived way back when, as it was just stated, uh, during the Student National Medical Association board meetings uh, with Dr. Landry and uh, Dr. Matthews and all of that energy and fun that happened. Allegedly, it was created during the uh, New Orleans AMEC. Allegedly is how the uh, myth goes. But basically, there's always this amount of energy that happens during the annual medical education conference. And they have the thought of what if we can take that same energy to the students? Everyone can't travel. Everyone can't make it. So what if we went to them? So they got the idea. They got the funds and they brought people together, put us on a bus or now a lot of times in 2022 virtually uh, to tour and speak with different uh, schools, different people and different organizations to try to diversify medicine. Um, they want to make sure through grassroots efforts to educate, inspire and cultivate future unrepresented physicians, dentists, pharmacists. And the list goes on and on. We don't hold back. We want to get everyone to the terminal level that they can be. And yes, to anyone listening, we're willing to grow. And we're trying to add on specialties, but we're doing it at a bandwidth that we can handle right now. Um, but if you have any thoughts, ideas, or just want to know more about the organization, go to tour, the number four, diversity.org, all one word. All right, that's our plug. So now you're listening to this podcast because you want to get educated. And we are going to bring to you one of the things we specialize in, leadership. Uh, everyone needs to be leaders. Well, when you get to the terminal level of physician, you get to be a leader. But the question is, how do you start? Where do you go? And what do you do? So we work mostly with pre-meds. So all of our pre-meds who are listening to this podcast, we want to talk about why it's important at your level and what does leadership look like. Uh, so I want to start with you, Dr. Hamid. When you're looking at pre-meds applications or counseling them, um, what do you look for on their CV or resume probably at that level that shows leadership to you? Um, I think that when I'm looking at the applications for the pre-meds and um, providing mentorship to them, I'm really just looking to make sure that they are becoming well-rounded and exploring some of their interests. I look back at my pre-med days and I don't think that I, I got into a lot of organizations that were mostly, you know, social, also academic organizations to help grow within whatever field I was interested in. So I was a chemistry major and I did a lot of work within our chemistry lab. I also did some tutoring um, as well. So I think that that spoke for itself on the, on the 
on the application that I was interested in science and I had committed to science. Uh, I also took up uh, some offers for or from our school. I went to Jackson State, which is HBCU, and they made sure to offer um, educational experiences each summer. So each summer I went somewhere and did some type of research and I didn't know it at the time. I was just having a good time, you know, stirring, you know, in the, in the research lab, stirring up the pots, making crystals and things like that, trying to understand the science. Uh, also, it was it was a great opportunity to network. So I enjoyed the networking component. I did not know it at the time, but it was really building my CV to make it impressive. So suddenly I graduated undergrad with all of these poster presentations at these conferences. They were in different states throughout the United States. Also had a few publications as well. And I think that that really strengthened my application. So when I look at these um, applications and I mentor the students, I just encourage them to get involved, whatever they're interested in, and really show that you are dedicated to it by um, by exploring some organized or some exploring other activities other than just sticking to the books. Mm, very sage advice. Dr. Mullins, what did leadership look like for you back in those wonderful days all of two years ago? Is what I heard. Like, Ooh. what was leadership for you like back in your <laughs> pre-med days? So pre-med days. Um, <laughs> so I, too, attended an HBCU, um, Xavier University of Louisiana. And, you know, I knew very early in my life that I wanted to be a physician and was fortunate to attend, you know, um, an institution that, you know, had a great dedicated path for future physicians who, you know, look like me. Some of the leadership roles for me came with being um, like teacher's assistants and things like that. I was able to, like Dr. Mid, um, participate in a summer program. Let me see, it was MMEP back then, um, but at UAB. Um, and that was one summer that I was really able to get involved with something But a lot of my summers, actually, I had to spend working to make money to help fund my upcoming semesters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the things to do then, if you can't really, if and when I couldn't really dedicate that time during the summer to participate in some of those opportunities, you know, making sure that during the year, if I could find time to shadow a physician or help work in the pre-med office, I would help read some of the younger students' personal statements as they were coming through. And so I think it really is just making sure, don't feel too overwhelmed, you know, based on whatever you can do at that point in time, given your special circumstances, just demonstrating in some way, shape or form on your CV that you are committed and that you are willing to, you know, sacrifice something or, you know, um, demonstrate your interest however you can at that point, I think is also, you know, very noble of young students who, you know, may feel, again, feel overwhelmed and like they can't really do those leadership things. And then, you know, we also understand when we're looking at these applications, you know, there's only so many leadership positions out there. So if you can't necessarily hold a mm-hmm. leadership position in an organization, just demonstrating your involvement on a committee or, you know, any um, activities that they're doing, outreach, helping with organization, something like that to just demonstrate, again, your level of commitment and involvement. Um, those things are important. Part of my job for today's podcast is to always to make sure to re-highlight the pearls for the people listening that may have stared off into space. <laughs> there were two great pearls I want to highlight in there. One, quality over quantity. All right. When we're going through your resume, I don't want to see, you know, secretary of SNMA one year and then secretary of BSA the next year, secretary of something else. There's no continuity. That just means your organization hopping. 
But, you know, member one year, secretary next year, vice president, president. Oh, that shows that you were with the organization and you cared. And, you know, maybe you're in law school and you're in there with the future Barack and the future Michelle and you don't you're not going to get to be president or vice president. Get on a committee. Everybody has a committee Um, and you can always put that in your resume. And that's one of those things that are easily forgotten early on um, in your in your educational career is the great thing of a committee. I mean, right. Party committee, whatever planning committee, uh, Black History Month committee, just throw it on there. Uh, demonstrate what you did. And those are great non-voted for leadership roles that you can exercise. So really great advice there for everyone out there. So hopefully you heard that and turned around for those two pearls. <laughs> uh, so now everyone has listened to our advice. They've updated their resumes. They've gone and joined the committee. They've applied to medical school and they've gotten in because they're great leaders based off of our advice. Do you guys believe that people have time in medical school to be leaders? Dr. Mullins, I'll start with you. Yes, most definitely. And here again, it's really going to depend on your location, the institution um, in which you're attending and what kind of level of support is there. So I went to Emory University um, School of Medicine and back when I graduated in 2008, there was literally only a handful of us. Proud to say that they're up to, I think they're going to have almost 40 (laughs) Black students coming in this year. So shout out to Emory University this year for really putting in that effort to getting those numbers up. And so part of it is, again, staying involved in organizations. And I started participating in SNMA. So, you know, we didn't really have a MAPS at Xavier Mm -hmm. because, you know, pretty much everybody was pre-med. So (laughs) we were by default MAPS, um, the Minority Association (laughs) of Pre-Medical or Pre-Health Students. But anywho, um, so but moving on, I didn't really find out about SNMA and what it was until I got to Emory because I needed that um, additional support in networking. And so then my sophomore year at Emory, the um, AMEC was actually in Atlanta. And so with my involvement with SNMA and my best friend from Xavier slash roommate was at Morehouse School of Medicine at the same time. And we uh, decided to apply to be um, conference co-chairs that year and we got it. And so that's how we got on our executive board and met Dr. Matthews and Dr. Landry and just, you know, so many doors opened up after that as far as for being able to be involved um, and participate on so many levels, you know, from here on in the future. And these long lasting relationships, as you see now, have been formed. And so really it's about Mm -hmm. just sometimes you just have to lead from behind, to be quite honest. Um, When you're entering, you know, a PWI, sometimes they're not going to really recognize your greatness and you're going to have to show your greatness. And so that's how, you know, that would be, again, my advice to students, especially if you're not necessarily attending an HBCU, you know, just kind of figuring out ways to sometimes just lead from behind, show your worth, show your dedication. So that year we were able to put, you know, both Emory and, you know, you didn't have to put Morehouse on the map, but, you know, we're able to really put Emory on the map as far as attracting minority medical students and getting involved and talking more. And so year after year, the number of minority students there increased um, because people came to Atlanta. They really enjoyed the conference. We really wanted to show them our city really well. So those are just, like I said, the small things that you can do to just kind of build on for the future if you can't be president or vice president of whatever it is. But Dr. Hamid, someone's listening to the podcast right now that's in medical school and they're like, I'm in medical school. I'm a leader. I don't have to be president or whatever, whatever. 
all I got to do is graduate. Is it important to be a leader in medical school? And do you feel like everyone is a leader and can just ride that wave? Um, that's a great question. And I can say when reviewing applications for residency, uh, a plethora of the students are involved in some type of leadership activity. Uh, very rarely do I see an application come across my desk where the person just did to med- just did medical school and just graduated, you know, and did well. Um, usually, the students are involved with something or have something to showcase, um, something to present uh, to um, kind of illustrate their time in medical school and illustrate their interests. So I would probably try to get into something. I wouldn't try to just you know stay the straight and narrow uh, and just focus on grades, um, like Dr. Mullison is saying. A lot of people may not have time and might have to lead from behind, but still that's you leading and that's you doing something. Um, and that 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 resonates on an application. I'm looking back into my medical school and medical school was tough. You know, you suddenly mm-hmm. my days, uh, I guess if you ask me what is the difference between medical school and college and high school and every type of school and leading up to that, I think it's that usually, you know, in school, you're kind of taught in the class. You know, you review the materials, you make sure you learn the materials, you do a couple practice questions, practice equations, and then everyone goes home with some homework to return the next day. Medical school was not like that. It was more so you kind of went home, read the material, try to learn as best as you can. And then when you got to class, it was like a review session. And then we were rapidly reviewing so much material. And then you would have, you know, a test. So the learning curve was definitely different than what I was used to. So a lot of students may enter, you know, and stumble at the beginning and not hit the ground running. So I would say if there's a summer pre-matriculation program, kind of um, like I went to UIC here in Chicago, they had a summer program where some of our post-bac students were or medical students that were entering med school who just wanted an exposure to what you'd be learning in that first year. That helped me hit the ground running um, along with a lot of other people. And again, that's something I could put on my resume. I did this extra kind of time in medicine because I'm de- I'm dedicated and I'm, I'm really interested in it. But I would say that you do need to focus academically. I feel like you know 99% of your efforts need to go into you being good academically, focusing on learning the medicine, focusing on being good clinically, and then following direction, taking feedback well. I feel like that's something that we kind of overlook sometimes. Um, but that is a major um, part of your evaluation, whether or not you are teachable. So focus on those core components, but at the same time, you should have a little bit of downtime to do this or that, such as volunteer at that student clinic. And maybe if you're only able to volunteer, you know, once every, you know, blue moon, uh, maybe you can find a little bit of time so you can volunteer, you know, maybe once a month or so. And a leadership from that position may look like instead of you just showing up to volunteer, maybe you organize the volunteers that month. Um, And that's something that Mm -hmm. you can put on your resume. So I would say, yeah, do a little bit more than just being good academically, um, because, you know, that's what people are looking for. And that that makes a that makes sure that we're interviewing and selecting someone that's well-rounded and knows what they're getting into. Yes. Everyone listening to this podcast has has heard that hyphenated word, Mm -hmm. well-rounded. But when you're (laughs) applying for medical school to residency, that's probably the most rounded you need to be because a lot of people will try to come out just, I guess, square or one shape um, by just going to medical school. So one of the great things that I want to pull together for, again, that person driving that needs to hear that one pearl is do something in leadership that makes you happy and that makes you smile, right? So one of the things that is tough during medical school is you like Dr. Mint said, you don't have time. So if you want to be a leader, 
be a leader of an organization that you're happy to go to, that you're smiling when you show up, that you don't mind taking that extra hour out of. And it doesn't matter as long as you put your best foot forward in this organization. So yeah, you love SMA, you love AMEC and AMEC's in your city, boom, co-chairs for national conference, right? You like helping people, you want to help the uninsured, boom, you're working in that clinic. Heck, if you're in medical school and your favorite thing to do is throw Halo tournaments, then that's it. You are the president of the Halo Association for Medical School, whatever you need to do. um, Just make sure you enjoy your time and you're doing it with other people. So just like true leaders here, um, you know, we have to work sometimes at all different hours. So I know Dr. Min has a shift coming up. However, we need to pick her brain just a little bit more before she (laughs) runs away. Because we need to talk about leadership at the residency level. All right. All doctors have to be leaders. Aren't residents supposed to be baby doctors? So what leadership do they have? Are they, do they all have to be chiefs? Um, what do you think is the purpose of leadership at that level? Um, that's a great question. Um, and that's actually a question that I had while I was in residency myself, because it seemed like the only way for you to be recognized as a leader or be a leader was to be a chief. And um, it was as if, you know, you're kind of working towards, you know, building an application for your chief year. But looking back retrospectively, a number of, you know, there's only so many chiefs out of the class. But if you look at the class, people have mm-hmm. gone on to do incredible things and are educators, they're researchers. Um, they are people that go out into the community and get things done. So I would say you don't need to be just chief. Um, chief is awesome. I was not a chief at my in my residency program. However, I did dive into what my interests were, which is, you know, health equity and also DEI work. Some of our residents uh, that I work with, they work with our DEI committee and they basically go out and recruit residents or or do callbacks for residents who are interested in the program, who may be from a diverse background to ask how they like the program. Um, Is there anything else that they can learn? Is there a second look day? And they help organize those things. Other residents help structure education for faculty and also for residents uh, related to DEI topics. Um, that we may not be super familiar with. Like, how do you interview that patient that identifies that is transgender, that identifies, you know, or identifies as this or that? How do you ask them what their pronouns are without offending them? So there's, you know, there's lectures that are put on by our residents themselves um, that make that way you're making your residents and yourself a more round, well-rounded physician that's, you know, going to enter the workforce well-prepared to deal with patients from all different types of backgrounds. So, I would say that there are certain, there are a ton of different opportunities for leadership and in, in, in residency. You just you don't have to wait for someone to you know tell you about it. You just find something that you want to fix that you're passionate about. They say, hey, I think this could be done better, and then you propose a way to do it better, and you gather the resources to do it better, and you know teach everybody how to do it better. That's leadership itself, um, and that's how the real world works. No one's waiting for you to be you know promoted to a certain position in order to fix something or make something better, we're just counting on each other collectively to continue to, you know, march that path and make sure that we're keeping up and and making sure that we're doing the right thing for all of our patients. And Dr. Mullins, could you tell me, I guess, can you give me a, an example of how leadership and residency could help someone get that attending job or get that attending bag, as people like to call it? Like, what is something <laughs> that someone can do in the residency level that would make them a better attending. Sure. Um, 
Well, right before I jump into that um, answer, I want to piggyback on what Dr. Hamid just said in the sense of, you know, being a chief resident is not the end all be all and it doesn't make your career. Mm -hmm. And just personally, from my experience, I was not a chief in my um, residency program. And actually, and this is not to knock anyone at all, but the person that ended up being chief resident in our program just went on to practice straightforward general surgery. Um, as far as I know, isn't, you know, in an academic center, is not any majorly involved in any organizations or societies or research or anything like that. And so I say all that to say is your drive is what determines, you know, what your future is going to be, not that title is chief. Um, and, you know, ways to get involved. Again, if you're not going to necessarily be chief at your program, there's sometimes other leadership positions that are available within the hospital system serving on certain safety committees or, you know, various committees that are there at the hospital. Mm -hmm. They sometimes have resident liaisons that are there or, you know, whatever organization for, you know, if you're going to subspecialize or anything like that, there's typically, you know, some sort of organization uh, dedicated, you know, there's the American College of Surgeons or, you know, the American Society of Colorectal Surgeons. And so they typically have, you know, some sort of residence committee or residence section. So being involved in that, serving on the committee, you know, all of those types of things or whatever the state or local chapter. So if you're in an area where there's an SNMA or an NMA chapter or, you know, if um, uh, LSMA or LMSA, sorry if I got the acronym wrong, um, but the um, Latino Medical <laughs> Society. Um, but yeah, so however you identify, whatever mm. you see your future as, you know, if you have a drive or passion about safety, quality, outcomes, there's typically some way, shape, or form to get yourself involved in those things, if not within your hospital, but at least with a local organization or the national organization. And then the final thing regarding that is a lot of times, you know, residency programs, you're going to have junior residents, obviously, you're going to have medical students and things like that are coming through. And so if you're passionate about teaching, and you're really involved in showing them the right way, and you know, you may be winning, you know, a resident teacher of the year award or teacher of excellence or something like that. So those are all different ways you can, again, show your leadership and your dedication to whatever your future is going to be without being, you know, a chief resident. And to all those chiefs out there and future chiefs, uh, (laughs) don't worry, being a chief isn't completely useless. Uh, I was a chief. Uh, I was a co-chief. And one of the benefits I would say about co-chief is I call it the free admin fellowship year. It's not free, but uh, it's like you're doing admin fellowship while you're in residency, right? Making schedule, working with people, um, balancing personalities. And that's something that you're going to have to do if you want to be at the director level wherever you work. So as a chief at the time, I felt I was more approached for like potential uh, co-director roles or vice director roles or some things along those lines. Um, And I was able to translate all of those skills a lot easier. Um, I knew all the different ways to make a different schedule and all the different, you know, ways to sit down and give the uh, advice sandwich. Um, Those are things you pick up as a resident in general, um, which you have to flex them a lot more as chief. Um, But I did see a lot of people around me who weren't chief because you only have two in my residency program. And a lot of them still went on to be um, directors of EMS, went on to this fellowship, uh, stayed at the program. So You can do a lot of different things while you're there. Titles just help people identify you from afar. Uh, So what we're going to do here right now, I've always wanted to say this, 
we're going to take a break. Um, we're going to let Dr. Hamid go to her shift and all those listening, we'll take a break right now. And we'll be right back with the Black Doctors Podcast and the Tour for Diversity in Medicine. Yay! All right. <laughs> hey there. I hope you're enjoying listening to the show. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn and thank them for sponsoring the Black Doctors Podcast. TrueLearn is a medical exam preparation company that helps you outperform on your boards. If you are a medical student or resident physician, you should definitely check out their products. If you sign up, please use the code BDPODCAST and you'll get a discount. They have resources for both DO students as well as MD students and even physician assistants. When it comes to residency licensure, they offer question banks for over eight different specialties. TrueLearn gives analytics that give you insight into your study habits, your question responses, and tracks you along with your peers. Students and residents average 20% improvements after completing a TrueLearn smart bank. Check them out at truelearn.com. And again, remember to use the code BDPODCAST to receive your special discount. Now back to the show. All right, I'm give myself a countdown. Three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Black Doctors Podcast with the Tour for Diversity in Medicine. Uh, we are doing a podcast today on leadership. We are down one leader because they are such a leader. They led themselves right to an ER shift. Uh, but Dr. Mullins and I are going to wrap up here with probably the section people thought would be the least important, but I think is the most important. Leadership at the attending level. Um, so right now we've given you tidbits on how to go from pre-med, show your leadership through every single step. Now we have, as I said earlier, secured that bag. We are attendings now. What does leadership look like here and why do we already need it if we secure the bag? Um, so I'm going to toss it to you, Dr. Mullins, because you started off introducing yourself about switching practices and everything like that. Do you feel being a leader helped you there? Did it help your decision? Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, definitely. So, you know, I'll start off by saying that I didn't imagine that I would be where I am however many years ago. You know, even from when I first started in medical school, I never like when people asked me what I was going to specialize in, my answer was, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be surgery. <laughs> and I'm a surgeon. Fail. So <laughs> so <laughs> your your perspective changes over time. So um, during med school, did a lot of trauma rotations, surgery rotations at Grady, knew I was going to be a trauma surgeon and ended up going back home for residency um, at our level one trauma center in Orlando. And about six months into residency was like, mm -mm, nope, nope, trauma's not for me. Um, then thought I was just going to do general surgery, but got some amazing experiences in the colorectal specialty. And so that's how I decided to do my fellowship in colorectal surgery. Mm. Um, through my experience with that specialty, I didn't really see myself at a major academic institution. Um, I wasn't very um, interested in research at that point. I was really more so focused in patient care, but I liked to be a part of education. And so where I did my fellowship here in Atlanta, not at a major academic center, but there was our fellowship program. So I stayed on afterwards. So I was there for about seven and a half years, was an associate you know, faculty. And then I actually 
through my practice of medicine, um, became very interested in clinical research mm-hmm. and became the director of research for the program. So like basically a full 360 again, but then kind of within the system where I was and, you know, becoming a new mom, I had a, let's see, I had my child in February, 2020, March, 20, March, 2020 rolled around world was shut down for COVID came back. So, so many life and personal changes kind of happened during that time. And I just had a lot of introspection and realized that I wanted a lot more autonomy. And so, you know, based upon what was available to me, what was granted to me and the level of support or non-support I had at that point, I just thought my only real option to really practice the medicine and be the person that I wanted to be was to switch gears. And so um, I left my practice, took a little bit of time off for a couple of months. I'm currently doing some locums part-time work in colorectal um, as I began to build and grow and develop my um, private practice. So that's where I am currently on that front. Otherwise, when we're talking about leadership, what I did, I'm actually very active in our National Colorectal Society Mm. and basically fresh out of fellowship after a year or so when that call went out to participate in committees, um, I signed up for a couple of committees and I showed up to the committee meetings and I would talk. I would give my opinion. I would, you know, do the tasks that were asked, volunteer. And then I was slowly, you know, incorporated more and more to serve on multiple committees. I've done social media, public outreach, uh, professional relations, um, young researchers committee. And we, a group of us actually would meet, a group of us minorities would meet um, a couple of times annually to discuss our strong interest in improving the disparities in the colorectal specialty and in colorectal care. And after the major, major social unrest after the um, murder Mm -hmm. of George Floyd, um, we actually submitted a basically a letter of determination to our then national president that, you know, we got to do something about this. We need a DEI committee. We need some way, shape or form to support our communities and our minority colorectal surgeons. And so at that time, the then president of the National Colorectal Society tapped me to be the uh, chair of the Presidential Diversity and Inclusion Task Force that then converted into a committee. So last year, we're entering our second year of being in a full committee for which I serve chair. And we've done so many things over this year. I probably couldn't even begin to tell you all the things that we've done. Mm -hmm. But that's also how I kind of got re-involved with Dr. Landry and Dr. Matthews for Tour for Diversity. Um, We did a pathway program day where we invited local students to participate in our recent national society meeting down in Tampa and virtually uh, Tour for Diversity participated in a section of that discussing the whole process of um, med school application and, and and all of those things. And so that's kind of full circle how I came to where I am now. And like I said, this was not anything that I would have ever predicted, um, you know, however many years ago. So, <laughs> so to everyone listening, I'm going to do my nugget thing once again. Leadership, especially at this level, sounds like one step and then you fall down a bunch of stairs, right? You took one step and that led to something else, which led to something else, which led to something else. It snowballed. And now you have a great life leadership career and you're doing things that are changing lives, uh, colon-wise and non-colon-wise, even with the diversity with what you're given. So to everyone listening who's in attending right now, 
what made you take that first step? What made you go to that meeting versus just sitting at home with a bottle of wine and watching whatever is on Netflix and or Hulu? They're not sponsoring this podcast, but if they want to, please go ahead. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry, you mean like that first committee meeting? That first committee meeting. What made you go to that first committee meeting? Because you could have just been at the conference and been at the bar like so many other attendings. Sure. So a part of it was the situation I really wanted a little bit more of social networking support in, I guess, honestly and truly within my age range, um, because the mm-hmm. practice that I joined, the I joined a lot more senior physicians. I think when I joined, geez, I don't even remember how old I was, but you know, the closest physician in age to me was, I think, 13 or 14 years older than me. So there wasn't really... Uh, much of a mid-level career surgeon where I was. Mm. And so I just felt like I needed to be a part of a little bit something bigger to be a little bit more, uh, to be more in the know a little bit sooner about what's coming down the pipeline within colorectal surgery. Mm. Um, So I think that was honestly and truly kind of how that started. And then, you know, realizing again, because I didn't come from some major academic institution for residency or fellowship, you sometimes get that concept of, do I belong? And so once you're in the room and you hear some of the conversations that are being had, number one, you realize these are all people just like you. But also I felt oftentimes that the community physicians were not, especially the community surgeons, were not being represented and thereby the community patients were not being represented um, because in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it, the overwhelming majority of patients are taken care of outside of academia. So while all these guidelines and standards of care and centers of excellence and all these things are being created, not everybody has access to that. And so being able to truly speak up about life experiences and being able to share the perspective of community physicians and these community patients, I thought, you know, I just thought it was my duty to get myself involved in that way to make sure that, you know, those without a voice had a voice. And see, everybody, this is what we call a full circle moment right here. Okay, hopefully those pre-meds that we started off with are still listening to the podcast right now, because this is why when you start leadership early it can affect your life downstream. Dr. Mullins did research, worked with the committee with the community early on, baby steps, just seeing what it is to be out there and working with patients that are out there that needed her help. Then became a medical student. All right, we're in medical school, right? We said you need to do things that are fun so you can spread out your time and you can stay focused on it. She needed something fun outside of work, find people her own age group, So she spread her wings and went to a different community meeting. We said when you are in uh, the resident role, you don't have to be chief. You can just listen in any opportunity that comes up, whether it's a hospital committee or kind of educating others, you can step into that role. She went to the meeting. At the meeting, opportunities came up. She said, okay, I can help here. Stepped into that role. And now, bing, bang, boom, at the end, she's made it. She's one of the full leaders for the whole organizations with the fancy title and everything along those lines. So these are the reasons why being a leader matters. It is not something that you want to skip early on because later on you can still pick it up, but it's always harder when you do it later. So, you know, do a little bit earlier when you can. Uh, I'm very happy to hear about this committee, uh, committee that you joined. And I am sure the organization is loving all the work that you're doing with them, Dr. Mullins. 
Yes, it's been very rewarding. And, um, you know, we've been able to be an outlet for several people who identify as, you know, other um, in the organization. So not just, you know, African-American or Latino. We're talking about gender, race, sexual or- orientation, identity. We've we've crossed all those lines. You know, we've um, created different webinars and little, you know, coffee and conversations topics to come up. Um, like I said, we did the pathway program for students where we had high school, undergrad and med students all come together and be able to have some didactics and education, but also some hands-on. They got to play with the robot and practice some suturing. Mm. You know, we brought in their parents to learn about colon health and screening. We had them bring in the big colon that they could walk through and see the polyps. Um but just beyond that, it was, <laughs> but, you know, um, but beyond that, I know it was so funny, but you know what? It made it real. And, you know, the parents were able to walk through and just really understand the significance of all that stuff. So we were able to kind of bring things a little bit full circle. But now just, you know, some of the requests that we get as far as just with various podcasts and webinars and just all those types of things, you know, have been um, very important. And I think a lot of people who don't even identify as an underrepresented minority or, you know, in the classification of other has been able to learn a little bit more of the significance and what may be truly affecting their colleagues and their patients. And so how they can become better physicians and friends and colleagues and leaders in their organization. Feel free, Dr. Bradley, or whoever is running our clip to use, to you know, you're allowed because, you know, she's serious. You can block out Dr. Mullen's face and put up a colon right next yep. to me and then me just laughing as a little ball goes all the way through the <laughs> colon or something like that as she talks about people walking through it. Uh, that's hilarious. All right. Back to the podcast. So everyone listening, mm-hmm. uh, leadership sounds like a lot of work. Um, so I would like you, Dr. Mullins, and I will do it as well. Give one benefit you see to being a leader. One thing that everyone should say, you know what? That's why I need to be a leader because that's going to benefit me along my journey or in my life. Give one benefit. Um, you know, self-growth, mm-hmm. I think, um, has been a major aspect of it in introspection as well. You know, some of the things, while you may have the best intent ever, that does not necessarily reflect what the impact it's going to have. So you're going to ruffle some feathers. You know, you have to be able to understand and look at all sides of how things are perceived, internalized. And so I think, you know, a lot of um, sales growth comes out of it because you you have to look at things from other pers- perspectives. Yeah. I'm going to give two since we're down one member now. Um, and mine are going to be very, very platonic and face forward, but I like to say it because you never know who's listening. They may that be that person that this is their motivator. Number one, for leaders in medicine, the bags tend to be bigger. Uh, it's true. You can uh, charge for leadership roles. Sometimes you get paid leadership stipends, incentives, things along those lines. So, you know, doctor salary on top of that leadership salary equals bigger salary. So if you want to be biggest bag, those tend to be the biggest. Um, But also, and more importantly, to affect change, there are a lot of leadership prerequisites. All right. Uh, For the last two years, if I've been using the most famous one, you know, Dr. Fauci did not just one day show up on a camera because the president said, hey, we need someone to talk. 
There's a lot of leadership that went into that, a lot of research that went into that, a lot of work behind the scenes. Uh, but then now you get to affect change for literally an entire nation. Or you can affect ch- change for an entire community, um, for an entire organization, whether it be colon-based or non-colon-based, um, to get to those upper echelons, to be in the front, to move the needle forward, it comes with a lot of prerequisites. So no one wants to hear from the leader who just did it on day one without any background. So if you can start working again during those pre-med years, you'll start locking all those prerequisites, get that CV slash resume nice and long. And when you get to that attending level, you'll have time to put it down and apply for any job you'd like to. So with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening to our episode of the Black Doctors Podcast with Tour for Diversity in Medicine. For all of that, for everyone listening, for a full recap for our pre-meds, remember you have research opportunities, both paid and unpaid. You want to make a little edit there. Um, you can get paid for some of your opportunities. Uh, just make sure you talk to your school, talk to the right counselors, look up the right opportunities. For our medical students out there, it's rough. Graduating is the most important Find something you love, though, and you can still be a leader in that. It makes it well worthwhile. For all of our residents, yes, you don't have to be chief. Being chief can be fun, but if you're not chief, join those hospital committees. I guarantee every hospital right now has an infectious disease committee, a patient satisfaction committee, and most likely, as long as there's like, you know, inpatients, um, they can have a fall committee or anything along those lines. You can hop on any one of those, you'll boost your CV. They usually meet once a month. Uh, Go talk, represent your residency, and then you can go back to what you're doing. And for all of those attendings out there, next time you're at one of those conferences, don't be afraid to go to a committee meeting to be with your peers because you never know what you can snowball into. You can end up being the very leader of that community, all with one word, all with one hand raised, all with one thought behind you. And... Finally, plug in the tour for diversity in medicine. You can find us on all socials, Facebook, Twitter, IG, for the number four diversity. And because I talk a lot, I'm going to let Dr. Mullins end this with whatever she would like to say. Um, no, I think this has been uh, very amazing and eye-opening just to hear others' experiences. And basically, you know, leadership, small forms of leadership. I can't even remember where I heard this, but basically it's the it's the long path to overnight success. So, you know, one day you're going to keep doing what you're doing behind the scenes and all of a sudden you're going to be in a leadership roles and people are going to say, think you're an overnight success, but they didn't see all the work that went behind it. And that's okay. (laughs) Big facts. Thank you, everyone. And for now, the takeover is over. We'll pass it back to Dr. Bradley. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Anani, Dr. King Mullins, Dr. Hamid. An incredible conversation. So many gems. I hope folks were listening and taking notes. Please join us next week when we continue this conversation with another great panel from the folks at Tour for Diversity. In the meantime, check out the show notes. You can find a link to their website where you can donate or get involved. Um, Would love some feedback. I actually splurged, got some new audio editing software, which I'd like to think makes a difference. Do you hear a difference? If so, uh, let me know. Please send a rating, review, comment. Would love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to the Black Doctors podcast. We're here because representation matters.